my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a journalist, author, interviewer, and broadcaster. I also happen to be a lifelong fan of the King. And back in 1970, after Elvis redefined himself and made what I believe to be some of his greatest music in the 1968 TV special, and particularly the sessions in Memphis the following year, he then went on to record during his February 1970 Vegas gigs modern songs by the likes of Creedence Clearwater Revival, Joe Selt, and Tony Joe White. This then led to me checking out albums by those artists, and I became fans of, in particular, Joe South and Tony Joe White. But of the three, it was Tony Joe White I love most, and not just Poke, Salad, Annie. In fact, I love nearly every track on his albums, such as The Train I'm On and Homemade Ice Cream. So circa 1974, I was delighted when Elvis recorded two tracks, one from each album. The songs for old time's sake, and I've got a thing about you, baby. All of which is why, nearly a quarter century later, when Tony Joe became the latest of my heroes I tracked down to interview, I found fascinating the story he told me about attending the session at which Elvis recorded both songs. That said, I also found telling the fact that Freddie Beanstalk from RCA was still pulling the strings when it came to the songs Elvis recorded. After all, it was RCA's insistence and pressure from Colonel Parker, and maybe Presley himself, that led to Elvis recording so much crap during the 1960s, because both they're all concerned wanted a cut of the publishing rights. This, as we all know, led to Dolly Parton refusing to relinquish the publishing rights to her song, I Will Always Love You, which Elvis wanted to record. So said he didn't. By the way, if you want access to the full tapes of the following interview for personal use or for a documentary, which is what I use the interview for, contact me via my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com. But now let's listen to the southern draw of Tony Joe White. And as I was just copying Elvis and, and the hooker and all that. So what were you doing of Elvis? Like Harper Gotero, the bluesier too? Doing that. The gospeler? I was the one? That kind of gospel stuff? Uh, I was doing pretty close to how you did it. Yeah. I, you know, I stood up, I had a microphone I could fit around my neck instead of playing my guitar and do the little moves and all Just that. Just do the hips too. Do the hips, <laughs> I was done. And it was so strange, like he was such a hero and then all of a sudden they called up after all that happened to me with Pope and everything and he's doing mine. Yeah, how did that feel? It felt like unbelievable. Just once. Because I know he... He, uh, it was great from because I know Elvis's material uh, uh, very intimately, and I've talked to Gordon Stoker and the Jordanaires and Charlie Hodge and all those people who work with them. And I know that Presley, in early '70, when he did the Vegas, the second Vegas show, wanted to show people that he wasn't just a '50s relic. So he took Joe Souths, "Walk a Mile in My Shoes," "Poke Salad Danny," "Proud Mary," and they all make sense because they're all Southern kind of swamp rock. And it was kind of he took you to prove to people I'm in touch with what's going on. So yeah. isn't that where Poke Saladani came on board? Sure did, about 71, 72. Yeah. And he flew uh, he flew me and my wife out there to watch him record it live. Really? And we all hung out for a couple of days, stayed backstage and talked. He's, and he said, you know, he said, I always felt like I wrote that song. <laughs> I said, well, the way you do it on stage, it looks like it, because he really rocked him. You know? It did, yeah. I mean, he'd get down to sweat on that song. Yeah. It was very sexy. Elvis was a sexy man, and yeah, and uh, no, but it was time, also him and the Sweet Inspirations, and when they got the, I know how you did it, 
right? But he took it into kind of, it was almost like the sex is one level, but you've got to take people's souls up to the sky. And he'd keep doing that. And they'd do the background. Yeah, the girls would do the background. And it was like a musical ride. And we know the language. But it was also to bring you higher, to bring your soul higher. That he was kind of going, I've got to get these people out of their bodies. He'd almost do it. He could do that. It was almost that way. He'd almost go out on it. Go out there? Yeah. Which was great, though. He must have felt good doing that. That's what he probably meant. Well, it was so cool because, I mean, it's like, during that time, he was like, in touch, into the street, into the feel of everything, man. Long, he was lean, he was hard. And then a few years later, two or three years later, I met down in Memphis. Uh, they called me one night to uh, a guy named, had a German accent, and he woke me up about four o'clock in the morning. And he said, Tony Jewel. I said, yeah. He said, this is Freddie Beanstalk, and we're down in uh, at Stacks with Cornell's. Do you have any more song? Right, right. I said, what the hell are you calling me at four in the morning for? He said, you don't understand, this is Freddie Beanstalk. I said, I don't give a shit who you are, man. It's four in the morning. So you got right. Felton Jarvis mm. on the phone. Producer. Felton TJ, you got anything? I said, let me get up and look. So I went through, and I had, I got a thing about you, baby. Yeah. And for old times' sake. Yeah. And a couple of them was on a little demo. So I drove downtown Memphis about 4.30 in the morning, 5, and pulled up into this alley in the back. And there was these two little men with hats and overcoats were like spies. <laughs> and they said, did you bring the tapes? I said, well, why in the hell do you think I'm down here? So they ushered me into this little room, had an old-timey, real, real tape recorder sitting there, and they put the tape on and they played about four bars of for old time's sake. Was Elvis there or was he no, listening? No, he was in oh, the okay. studio. Right. Him and Felton didn't even know I was in the room. Yet. All right. So he played four bars of that and he said, we like that. Fast forward. Thing about you, baby. On four bars, they, they accept. They... So here's these two men deciding the songs. Old men like 60s, 65 years old. So get in the thing about Beans, you, baby. Beanstalk, Freddie Beanstalk and who? One of his Exactly. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Thing about you, baby. Two bars. We like it. <laughs> Next song. Two bars. We don't like this. Next song. We don't like this. You can go. <laughs> and I, that hit me wrong, boy. I thought you oh, mean okay. I can go. All right. Okay. And he said, I said, where's Felton at, man? He said, oh, you know Felton? I said, we've been friends for years. Yeah. About that time, Felton looked through the window and saw me. So he came in and got me, and we then went in the studio, and then Elvis and him, and talked it out. But I thought at the time, how strange for this man, who had so much to do with music, to be letting these businessmen select his songs. Yeah, but see, that seems to be the curse of of Elvis's career, because there were these guys making all the deals. But Felton seems to have been cool. Felton always hung in there. Very cool man, soulful all the way. Always taking up for the rider and protecting you on your end. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. I thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. And don't forget, if you want access to the full tapes for personal or professional use, contact me via my website, joejacksoninterviewer.com.